becoming a great content marketer is about starting and creating content and making every piece better than the one before and developing this muscle. That's the marketing world that we're in. Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, and today is a really special interview uh, with a very good friend of mine, Matt Fagioli, who has a coaching consulting business, but has been in the business space and started and grown lots of businesses. And so what's really great about this interview is we touch on a lot of core principles that are applicable to all kinds of different industries. So his background is in sales and events and now coaching and consulting. So we talk about those things, but then the through lines connecting principles that have worked for him and how to apply them today to your business. Really, really great stuff. Make sure that you stick around to the very end of the episode where I give you my number one takeaway from my conversation. But here it is. Let's dive in. So Matt, we've gotten to know each other very quickly over the last month and a half, two months or so. Uh, it feels like I've known you forever at this point for how much time we spent together. Uh, so I'm really excited to have you on the, the podcast today, really just talk about your particular expertise in your previous businesses, but also talk about what you're doing now, which is really cool. So just to kind of start off, why don't you walk uh, walk us through your journey as an entrepreneur, starting with maybe your first job in business or sales or marketing, and then uh, what you were working on right up until you know 2020, a year that... People know for various reasons, you know, may or may not have shut down the global economy, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, just kind of give us a big picture of your background in entrepreneurship. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I, well, I'm one of those guys that, you know, started cutting lawns when I was 10 years old and, you know, built piles of money and always bought, you know, stuff and did, you know, constantly moving. So I think I've been an entrepreneur since birth. Um, but my, my first real career of, you know, sales, um, you know, from 21 or whenever it was, uh, um, I was working for my dad and his business partner, and we were manufacturers reps in a really sophisticated business selling a high dollar, very complex, uh, OEM electronic components. And, um, I actually kind of had no business in that role because most of the guys that I was selling against were electrical engineers selling to engineers, a very, very technical job. Uh, but I, uh, I did, I did succeed and was actually, uh, you know, hugely successful in that, in that arena. But, um, you know, to say that, uh, I am or, and have always have been a serial entrepreneur is, is very true, but, in that role, which I did for almost a decade, I got to touch the inside of you know, thousands of businesses, both all of the customers and then all of the products and services that we represented, which the products and service that we repped uh, ranged from small mom and pop US-based manufacturer to uh, multinational, multi-billion dollar global corporations from all over the globe. Uh, and the same was true on the customer side. So had tons and tons and tons of business experience in businesses that I participated in in some way as uh, you know a product partner, um, but uh, you know not necessarily just the businesses that I was running, which I've you know run a multitude of those businesses in uh, in my career as well. So then, walk me up to your events business, how that started, kind of the the origin of that. 
and and what you specifically did because you know events business is very niche and then you had a niche within a niche or a niche however you want to pronounce it uh for how you approached it so i'd love to hear that story because then i want to tease out some principles uh that would be applicable no matter what kind of business somebody has sure absolutely i i think that people greatly underestimate the the power of live event as a business and at the same time i think we're we're in a place where in the world where the the power of live event networking has been lost a little bit as well and so both of those things were things that i cared a lot about i think they're very very much tied to 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 who i am as a as a person and a and a businessman and so you know one, one of the biggest lessons that i think we can share with with your listeners in terms of the the subset of those who are thinking man i'd like to maybe start a live event um is that it, it's much better to think about live events in terms of corporate sponsorship partners and uh and some level of scale uh versus most people that do a live event for for their own business or for whatever are really just thinking about in terms of the audience and attendee dollars and very attendee focused business model and of course the attendee and their experience is hugely important but it's much more powerful to figure out you know who are the large corporate partners who are going to be interested in this audience and trying to build those partnerships in advance and Part of what goes with that is then the expectation from those sponsors that you're going to deliver something really specific for them. And so so it's a little bit, not a little bit, it's very important to have figured those things out in advance if you want to have a very successful, very profitable live event or, or series of events. Well, and pre-selling is such a powerful tool once you learn how to do it and how to execute it, right? So gauging the temperature of something before you go all in and commit a ton of funding to it. It's like, yeah, you could jump in and be like, we're going to create a live event in our local area about our expertise. All right. We've reserved the venue and we got, you know, the t-shirts made and now we just got to tell people about it. And now let's try and find some sponsors. And you've committed all this capital to this thing without actually like seeing, oh, is there an appetite for this? Are we going to be able to secure things up front? And so being able to, to sell the idea of like, this is what we will do. This is what we can do. Uh, and then kind of having all those pieces aligned ahead of time. So that way it's more of a certain success. Uh, wink, wink. Well, that's, that's for, that's called foreshadowing. We're foreshadowing something later in the episode. Uh, but, uh, but I think that's really smart. It's like, let's secure the number one customer of this event up front. The company, the brand is going to kind of be the, the face of it. And then all the other pieces will fall into place after that. And I think that's just really powerful if you're, launching a new service or new product. It's like, before you build anything, before you build a website or a landing page, just like, see if people want it. Be like, hey, would you give me 50 bucks to do X, Y, or Z? Okay, well, what about $100? about $200? And you are able to test ideas quickly and see, uh, is this going to work or not? So that way you don't commit so much capital and so much of an investment to something only to find out it was just a good idea in your head, but not necessarily in the minds of the people you're trying to serve. Yeah, that's... That's uh, it, interesting that you touched on that because uh, pre-selling, as you called it, I guess I don't ever use that particular term, but um, it's something that I've, that I've always done and always believed in. 
Um, and it's been around a long time and I learned it. I mentioned I uh, had represented some large multi multinationals and um, they uh, taught me that. So um, here's these guys that sell products that require billions of dollars worth of capital investment in order to build said product. So let's say, let's say as a TV, that's not what we did, but let's say it's a television set and the production line for that television set is going to cost a billion dollars. They sort of want to know before they do that, if it's going to sell or not. And so uh, they would come work with us and go come to our local region. And we would go and call on a bunch of customers and ask that customer if they were, would buy this thing. Um, part of the game of that is we weren't really, I'd learned after the fact, we weren't really telling the customer that the product didn't exist yet because uh, there was a spec and whatever. But you know, I learned after a while that, oh, this is not going to exist unless there's enough customers for it and yada, yada. So you get the idea. But I think that the, the way that people can use that model uh, today, whether it's a live event or a course you're selling online or anything else is, uh, you know, people always think they have to build the course. Well, no, you don't. I mean, you could, you could run an ad to the course and see if the ad works first. You know, you don't have to take anybody's money. You can build a list, you know, hey, we're about to release this course and, it, you know, it's going to cost X and, you know, put your name on the, on the early bird list and you get a free, you know, Travis's PDF or whatever it is. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's lots of ways to, to pre-sell and it's a huge thing. And live event, I think is a really great example of that. <clears throat> it's a little bit of a challenge in that um, you need a venue and sometimes it's a, it, it, it can be a little bit of a challenge to pre-sell an event if you haven't committed the venue. Um, but you also can, um, in a lot of cases, you can get preliminary commitment on the venue without too much without too much risk as well. Yeah, or doing it far enough out in advance that you can get a refund if you have to cancel or things like that. Uh, yeah, and, and there are definitely honest and dishonest ways of pre-selling. Um, I've always been of the mind of be super transparent, let, let people know what they're signing up for, and then also let them know, like, if I end up not making this thing, here's how I'm going to give you your money back, right? Even though you put this deposit in. So, uh, but yeah, being able to test the market before you make something Usually a good idea. Now, one of the things that I imagine must be true for an events business is that it really depends on who you who you know, especially if it's more B two B focused, finding brands, finding sponsors, you know. And and there's totally different sales cycles of B two B versus B two C businesses. Uh, but your superpower is definitely you know lots and lots of people. And you know, just in my brief time knowing you, I'm I'm always amazed at like, oh, well, I know so and so. I'll just text him right now. Like, oh, he just replied. It's like, wow, that's cool. Uh, I don't have that superpower. Uh, so I would just love selfishly for you to break down like how you do that, how you think about networking, how you think about staying connected. And and even more so, like how do you identify the right people to pursue connections with, right? Because it's not about knowing everybody. It's about knowing the right people, at least the way that I think about it. But I'd love to hear your perspective and how you think about networking and staying connected. Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking that. Um, I think that, I think that is kind of a superpower for me um, the, that uh, I think it's just in bent the way I'm bent. And, um, but it's, it's certainly a muscle that, that I've developed over, over some decades. And, you know, I think the biggest piece of that um, you and I were talking uh, off camera about 
sort of the local networking event where you meet the, you know, the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker, as I, as I refer to it. And, um, you know, those networking events are generally not very helpful unless you're the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker and you, and every, everything about your world is, you know, within a 10 mile radius and there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, if you are wanting to build a, a live event, um, and maybe maybe bigger than that, you want to build the right network in whatever your chosen career path is. Um, I think people have a little bit lost the art of networking at the national level. Um, and what that looks like is it's actually easy to to do. It's uh, show up at the national level events for your industry. Um, you know, buy very expensive tickets to very expensive events. And you find that the people that are standing in that room are the people who could afford the ticket. And, uh, and, and a lot of times they're, they're the players. And so I've, you know, morphed my, my business and my channel and everything about my career many times in 35 years. But, uh, but I've always found that to be true that, uh, you know, you can put yourself in the room and uh, and network your way to some very important people um, much more quickly than than people than people realize. Um, so, you know, podcasting is is a new world for me that I'm I'm learning uh, somewhat from you. And um, but I'm uh, you know I just bought a very expensive ticket to an event in uh, coming up in August podcast event in in uh, Denver. And you know, I promise you, I will come out of there with you know, a couple handfuls of really important contacts. And then, you know, when you want to get something done, you want to text somebody and get an answer. Uh, you know, if you, uh, had a beer with that guy or, you know, uh, or whatever it is, um, it's just a whole lot easier. And I, you know, I think that that's a little bit get becoming a bit of a lost art. And some of that's due to, to the COVID season that we just went through and, you know, and all of that. But, uh, I think there's a huge appetite for it too. I think if you're if you're listening to this, um, you know, I, I bet you that there's space for not only for you to do the networking piece, but for you to build a very niche live event in your in your space for sure. So a couple of things I want to follow up on. First one, uh, this idea of showing up to a conference and leaving with a bunch of contacts. That may seem like, oh yeah, of course I would do that. That's not a common knowledge thing, Matt. So I'm going to need you to tease out what that looks like. What does it mean to grab beer with somebody? How do you enter that conversation? How do you introduce yourself? How do you make that connection, get that time in those initial conversations? What are the, what are your goals? They may be even like subconscious. Like my only goal is that he knows I'm a great guy and then we swap contacts and that's it. Or my goal is I want him to know who I am and what I do. And I want to get to know more about him and what he does so I can make a connection to build some rapport very quickly, like walk me through like the kinds of things you're thinking about when you go to an event, where you're trying to make connections, who are you looking to connect with beyond the people that are there? Like, how do you then self-select down? Like, these are the 20 people that matter the most to me right now. And then how do you make that connection? Like, what is, what is your strategy? You know, it's, it's like pick up lines for business <laughs> leaders, right? It's like, how do you pick up a girl at a bar? How do you pick up a business leader at a conference? Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I'm that we're talking about. I love this conversation because um, it's been so long since I've really thought about how, how, or why I do what I what I do. But um, uh, I think maybe it's like, well, how do you not pick up a girl at a bar? You, 
how do you not pick up a girl? You try too hard. You over impress her. You, you know, all the things, right. You, we all know what we shouldn't do. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think it's very, very, very low key. You know, my, my goals are always put, put, put as many cards in as many hands as possible. Uh, another lost art that I, you know, uh, lots of people don't, don't carry cards. I'm still a huge fan of cards, both giving and receiving paper cards, um, because I would walk out with this fistful of cards and have, you know, sort of go through them the next, you know, next day or in my hotel room or like, who are the one, what are the ones I care about? I've got like cases of them that I'll never look at again, but, but, um, that, that's probably interesting in and of itself. You know, I would always get on the plane to go home, have 25 cards. And if I kept them all, I would pick the two or three that really mattered and then go deep on the follow-up with those three people and never do much other than maybe a quick response, you know, quick email to the other 25. But, but the, the three that really, really mattered, um, you know, I would really do something memorable in my, in my follow-up to that person. And so to, so just to kind of make sure that I covered it. Yeah. I think you, you want to be just, hi, how you doing? Shake hands. This is who I am. And then it's, it's all in the the post-event follow up with the person or persons that you thought were the most important. Yeah. Cause nobody loves being pitched to, you know, it's, it's like, especially when you feel like you're getting bum rushed into it. It's like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm so-and-so. Oh, did, did you, are you, are you looking for qualified leads in your business? Cause we can totally do that for you. What can we set up? You know? And it's like, listen, dude, I'm here at a conference. I'm trying to go to a talk. I'm not, I don't want to listen to a sales pitch. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely think there can be a thought of, uh, you know, strike when the iron is hot. I have them. They're right across from me make it count right now. And you have, again, that like high pressure, like mentality of like close the sale right now. Uh, instead of let's just plant the seed. He knows who I am now. She knows who I am now. Great. They gave me their email address. They gave me permission to reach out to them. And then taking the time to think about what you're going to say that's memorable. I think that too is really important because it's not about, you know, I get LinkedIn DMs all the time. Yours stood out. I actually responded to yours. That's how you found me, right? Or connected. Mm. Um, and so, but there are ones all the time. It's like, no, nah, I'm not interested. I know exactly where this is going. Not something I'm interested in doing. Uh, and I think the higher caliber individual that you want to go after or connect with, they will appreciate just ma- starting with that human connection without any kind of like preconditions or, hey, I'm only interested in you because of your business's marketing budget, or I'm only interested in you because I think you can give me money. People can smell that. People can sniff out that, you know, the the motivation behind that if it's less than authentic. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's whether you've like actually processed, this is why I do what I do and why it works or why it doesn't work. From my perspective, that's why I think what you do is is so brilliant. Mm. Well, thanks. Well, I, th- I think it's so baked in. It's not that I don't, that I'm not conscious of it anymore, but uh, it's so baked in that, you know, it, it's once you develop any muscle, it's not something you have to think too much about, but um, it's really an important conversation. And I think, uh, for all you, all you youngins there, uh, <laughs> um, you know, now that, um, uh, and I'm, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but now that, you know, my business is much more digital and I'm having tons of interactions with, uh, younger entrepreneurs who are, you know, uh, the, in the Insta, you know, DMS and, you know, all the, all the new methods, 
and uh, it's it's so salesy and so pushy and so you know uh, uh, over the top. And the, I'm what I'm telling you is the exact opposite. Like the I don't want to feel any sales from you at all. And you're actually going to be way better off. You're going to have much better sales result. It was actually really nice to. I uh, must be getting nicer in my old age, but um, this person who I had had some interaction with on Instagram, and she, I think it was a she, but anyways, like hitting me like over, 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 over. And this is something that I'm mildly interested in and maybe interested in it next month. And uh, and it was just like every five seconds and I'm like, you know, you would probably get way more from me <laughs> if you would just ease up a little bit. So anyway, but you and you made the point earlier that the bigger the target, the higher level the target, the more critical that is, and the fewer words you want to say about anything. Because uh, that guy, uh, I have a guy in my mind that uh, is a, an actual billionaire that um, I had the opportunity to have a meeting with. Oh gosh, it's probably been six months ago now, but I was introduced to this guy, and I said like literally nothing. Uh, and then, I mean, you know, enough to, hello, shook his hand, but I was like, I'm not going to say anything to this guy about anything. And, um, but after the event, I, uh, had the person that introduced me, you know, ping that person with just a teeny tiny bit, sent that person something that I hoped would be memorable, which obviously isn't about the cost of the item because guy's a billionaire, mm-hmm. can't impress him that way. Right. But just touched him. Hey, remember, remember I met you. Here's this thing. Would you spend time with me? And uh, and then I got to spend uh, some time with him. Um, and I think this is informative. We, we talked about you know going to the national events, whatever. I got to spend time with this guy because um, I found out where he was going to be. I flew to that event, which cost a fortune, but I got to spend 90 minutes with the billionaire target that I specifically was interested in. And people just don't do that. <laughs> so no, well, because you know it's it's relational selling, right? It's not transactional selling, and you you have to go into it with the mindset of I'm willing for this to not go anywhere, professional, like business wise. I'm totally willing for this to fizzle out and to be an investment or an at bat that may turn into something and it may not. And I have the patience to let these things play out because I know in the long run this is going to turn out better. But that is so counterintuitive to the way that I've seen a lot of business start operating, which is much more like, what have you done for me lately? What are your sales figures this week? You know, how do we mm-hmm. tweak this, optimize this? And it's, again, it, you're not, it's getting away from the long game of relational selling and, you know, marketing your business through word of mouth, mouth and recommendations, which is still how most businesses grow. Like that's their number one marketing lever is people talking about them and recommending them. Uh, but it's so powerful because we all love to be sold that way. It's like, I would love for someone I trust to recommend a product that will help me. Like that's how I want to buy all my stuff. But Mm -hmm. instead, most of the marketing is you're terrible. You're a loser. You're so sad and depressed Buy this and you'll be so happy. Right. And that's, (laughs) that's like the opposite of, of what's good for me and beneficial for me. And so, you know, if we just kind of like take a step back for a second and take a deep breath and be like, how would I want someone to treat me and consider me and my needs and what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with before they roll out the sales pitch? I think we'd be much better off. 
Yeah, I think, wow, it's really just an interesting conversation in the context of all the stuff that, you, you know, especially the our digital sales space where it is like, your life's absolutely horrible and it would be way better if you did X, Y, and Z and, you know, uh, but yeah, so, you know, it is intentional and it's not that, uh, I, I certainly didn't fly to that event expecting anything less. I mean, I was on target on purpose. Like I had a sales intent. Um, but it's more, I guess what I was delivering is just that people aren't, don't, uh, uh, don't appreciate the power of that, that face-to-face meeting. And, and I think a little bit to your, to one of your points there is that everyone these days expects to, you wouldn't go to the meeting unless it was like done deal or like you're sure. And like, no, that's not it. You go to the meeting, you go to the meeting to get the deal. Um, and, you know, so there's a little bit of a lost art there for sure. So before we wrap up, I want to transition and start talking about what you're, what you're doing right now. We've kind of alluded to it a couple of times, uh, but talk to me about the the new coaching business that you've been starting up, um, how you decided to do that, uh, how you're building on the success you've had as an entrepreneur in the past to serve other entrepreneurs and and tease that out a little bit because I think uh, a good number of people listening to this podcast will enjoy your new podcast and your your newsletter as well. Cool. Well, thanks for bringing that up. You know, I think, um, and we we've covered a little bit in my background, but um, I've had you know so much diverse business experience, and you know, got all this silver in, in my in my beard, and um, you know, I at that season of life where I'm like, you know, I really would love to help a bunch of other entrepreneurs. Uh, level up their business to to a new place and you know help them not step on some of the million landmines that I've stepped on in my career um and you know you and I met and have talked a ton about about faith but I think that I think that there's a uh well you know not only a new hunger but a needed hunger um in the US and elsewhere for uh, a real understanding of uh what faith in Jesus Christ was, is, and has always been what, what he actually said versus, uh, the way it it sort of gets practiced in the world these days and, and how that relates into your actual business and your day-to-day life and tying those two pieces together, you know, our new podcast, uh, for the certain success brand, you know, we say, you know, standing at the intersection of business and faith. And, you know, I spent, the last 20 years as an entrepreneur trying to walk out that that balance of like hey i want to go i got i want to go win in the world i want to feed my family i want to i want to do all these things uh, while i'm here on earth um but at the end of the day um i'd like to um have become what god made me to be and and you know get to get to the to the next place um and, and feel like i accomplished as closely to what he had in mind as possible yeah. And I had the opportunity of being a guest on your show and it was a lot of fun. And we talked about a, a lot of those themes of bridging that gap of faith and business and how do they interrelate. They're not mutually exclusive. Like they, they work together if we're intentional about it. Uh, and so, yeah, if, if you were definitely like a, like a spiritually minded, faith oriented entrepreneur and you want to explore what that looks like, but also hear like business tactics and things that are working, like the conversation you just had with a different Travis. So I'm already a fan, got two Travis guests early on in the podcast. You know how to pick them, uh, you know, talking about AI tools and things like that. So if you're interested in those kind of things, definitely go check out the Certain Success Podcast, which I'll link, I'll link in the show notes. 
and then also talk about your newsletter, which is, you know, you'd never really done anything like that before you started it, but now you have this daily newsletter going out. Tell me about that and, and what that process has been like starting that as a new endeavor and, and what you've been learning through that. Sure. Well, um, you know, I think, um, maybe this will be helpful too, to, to, to some of the seniors like myself that may catch this <laughs> podcast. Um, you know, the, I, I've been a tech guy my whole career, as we've talked about, always try to stay on top of things, but we've entered a new era of digital marketing and content marketing in particular. And I have had to go through a really big shift to, uh, you know, keep up and, and learn, you know, what does it look like to be a digital content marketer in 2023? Um, and so I've discovered, uh, with lots of help from smart guys like you, uh, what the, what, in my view, there's four, the four pillars of that is newsletter or we'll call it email marketing, um, YouTube podcast and book writing. And, and I think anybody who wants to do anything going forward in the next 10 years had better be winning one or all of those pillars at, at a high level. And, um, I had uh, never really been a writer been a, a speaker and a salesman and a marketer and a lot of things, but never been a writer and I set a goal to write every day starting January 1st. And uh, so I just started writing a newsletter and uh, uh, it's, that is still an embarrassingly small audience uh, for, but that was not my objective. My objective was to learn how to write um, and develop uh, the the voice for uh, this new brand, certain success, and and really try to get clarity on what the heck am I saying and selling, and 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 what's the message of this new company, and uh, who do I want to help? What's my avatar? And 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 all those things come out of writing. And and now, uh, you know, I'll be completing the fifth month of writing every single day. Uh, and I've got a book in process and everything else. But um, what you learn is that becoming a great content marketer is about starting and creating content and making every piece better than the one before and developing this this muscle. And so for me, that started with writing, has moved into the, the podcast. And I think that that's the world, that's the the marketing world that we're in. Certainly is. I mean, it's why we're here right now, right? It's to host these conversations and be able to share them with others that would find it valuable. Uh, well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and expertise, all the links to the newsletter, podcast, everything else that you're doing or be down in the show notes. But uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. So my number one takeaway from my conversation with my friend Matt was about the power of face-to-face -face interaction that in our ever-growing digital world, Zoom and Google Meet and Skype have become synonymous with networking and connection. But there really is nothing that can replace that face-to-face, knee-to-knee, over-coffee interaction, connecting with someone at a human level. It's so easy to forget that as businesses, we're serving people and people want to feel known. They want to feel like they can trust you. And all of that reputation and that trust gets built over FaceTime. And so as much as possible, 
get FaceTime in person with people that you can serve, either existing clients or potential clients, networking at conferences and so forth. It is a lost art form, but it is certainly not less effective than it's been in the past. Now, make sure that you go and check out Matt's podcast, specifically my episode on Matt's podcast, which I think you'll find very informative. That's all linked in the show notes below. Well, I hope you found that interview insightful and helpful. And until next time, be honest. (laughs) 